it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not looking to get drunk in an airport chilies. Friday is travel day in the House of Representatives. So Republicans giving away the store to get Kevin McCarthy confirmed so they can fly home to their districts. This is politics as usual. Vote number 12 about to go down. We're going to cover it live with Florida Representative Kat Kamick. We'll also hear from former NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow, who is on the scene out in Idaho. And, of course, the number one guest on this show uh, Lincoln Fela. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Linkman still continues to claim uh, that he is carrying this v- vessel. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, along with your calls, text, tweets, emails, snail mails, chemtrails. However you roll, we don't care. Believe what you want. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a. <laughs> that is all. Uh, I was on the Sean Hannity show last night. We had a really funny time talking about CNN. And uh, their critiques of this ongoing leadership struggle. CNN is the worst. We'll certainly get into them. Uh, As a programming note, I will be back on Hannity again tonight at 9 o'clock on the East Coast. uh, As we wrap up this historic first week of broadcasting on the legendary KSUE out in Susanville, California. So shout out to them on lasting a lot longer with this program than anybody thought they would. Most of us, I assume, thought they would have dropped the show by Tuesday. That's true. That is true. I guess they found my ramblings entertaining. If you are listening on KSUE for the first time, let me just sum up my contribution to the discourse this way. Um, I'm a former New York City cab driver. Obviously, I've worked you know 20 years to get here, driving a cab, doing stand-up comedy, and I always wanted to have like a big media presence where I could have my own show and go on the road and tell jokes and have fans and it's amazing and I'm doing all of that Um, but the way I'm wired is I grew up in like a really good family and uh, I happen to have my own family my wife and my child and uh, they are I know it's a little old school but they're like the only thing that matters like when I talk about politics what I mean is I'm not trying to get sentimental on my family but what I do mean is that as far as the country, as far as my analysis of the news, of the ongoing struggle in Washington and everything in between, I don't care who wins. I just want the country to thrive. That's why when I say at the opening of the show, be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a you-know-what, okay? What I'm really trying to say is, hey, we are supposed to be teammates. As, as, as vile and as bitter as our politics have become, the reality is, and there's no escaping this reality, if you're a Democrat, you are my teammate. Okay, if you're a libertarian, if you're an independent, you are my teammate. We live in the same country. As the country goes, we all go. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. So when it comes to analyzing the Republican Party and the show that's gone on this week in the House, I don't care if I'm pissing off the Republican Party. I don't owe them my loyalty. I don't owe these dirtbag politicians my loyalty. I owe the country. I owe the country's well-being my loyalty. You know, if they were to come yank me out of the studio right now, uh, which I don't plan, I don't think is the case. But if that were the case, it just yanked me out and threw me on the street. Here's a newsflash, dude. I'm not going to be like, oh, please, Republicans, help me out. Get me back. I'm doing you. I don't care. You know what I'm going to do if they throw me out of here? 
I'm going to move to the middle of the country, buy a McMansion, and I'm going to hook up with Jenny every day. All right, fine. I'm going to hook up with her every other day. Once a week. Once, maybe once, I don't know, once a, once every month, month and a half, maybe, maybe. Once every two months. Oh. Marriage. Uh, but the point is, when I'm watching what's going on in the House of Representatives, I really am disgusted. Because the routine, the routine is a lot more important to these people than the result. I think he's got a point. And what I'm trying to say is this, what they're doing right now, Friday is getaway day. Everyone wants to leave town. So they're negotiating right now on a call. They're about to take a floor to the, a, a vote to the floor. It'll be the 12th time, the 12th time they have voted to confirm Kevin McCarthy. Late last night, early this morning, the establishment Republicans got serious about making major league concessions to the holdouts, meaning they could have did this Tuesday, but, you know, we weren't at the brink of missing a flight. They could have did this Wednesday. They could have did this Thursday. Now that it's actually getaway day and the holdouts have held out till it was time to go, they're about to get every single thing they want at that point. Everybody can go home. And this is the problem I have with this whole process is the routine is more important than the result. And what I mean by that is this is how we pass bills. They dump a 4,100-page bill on somebody's desk the night before they're due to leave town. And they're like, hey, we're having a vote tomorrow. And you're like, wait, but we haven't had a chance to, I don't know, move the read the bill. What do you mean we're going to vote on 41 pages tomorrow? Well, I do have to catch a flight. So, all right, fine. I'll give you a thumbs up or a thumb down first thing in the morning. And that's how politics work. And that's why the country is as broken as it is. The country is run by a bunch of dirtbags who are just trying to make as much money as possible for themselves and keep the donors and the lobbyists happy so the cash keeps flowing in. You're all a bunch of grifters. Dan Crenshaw pretty much summed it up. Let me give you this clip of Dan Crenshaw explaining yesterday why, you know, Oh, he's, yep. Two days ago, he called the holdouts terrorists, which is absurd on its face. It's embarrassing. OK, but yesterday he explained why Byron Donalds can't be Speaker of the House. This is the metric by which he doesn't qualify to be Speaker. I want you to listen close to what Dan Crenshaw prioritizes. Clip 10. Byron Donalds is running. Byron Donalds is running. And, and you don't. You don't think he's a credible he, candidate? He, he, started, he started five minutes ago. No, he's not a credible candidate. He's, he's a freshman who started five minutes ago. That's not running. He didn't raise hundreds of millions of dollars to win the Republican majority in, in multiple election cycles. No, that's not a credible candidate. What, is there- what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I mean, really think about that. And why is it dumb? Because he said the quiet part out loud. Byron Donalds can't be speaker because he hasn't been here a long time. He's not a swamp creature and he hasn't raised enough money. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Because he's flat out admitting this is what is prioritized behind closed doors. Forget that Byron Donalds is a brilliant guy. Forget that he's not hated by voters for being a part of the swamp and forget that he gives Republicans, by the way, a huge and I mean a massive rebuke of the Democrats and their incessant claims of racism when it comes to the Republicans. None of that matters. He's not a lifer. He hasn't raised enough money. Get him out of here. That's why Washington sucks. It's not about who's the best guy for the job. It's not about who's the best guy for the voters. It's about who's the best guy 
for the donors cutting the checks. I admire your honesty. This is the most oversimplified analysis of the McCarthy thing and why you know he's not the guy. Okay, Crenshaw laid out the main metric. If you are a voter and you prioritize change in this country, you are not electing people based on how much they can sell us out to special interests and how much time they've spent doing it in Washington. That's not why you went to the polls. You went to the polls because you believed that the Republicans had your best interest at heart, and if we gave them back power of the purse, they were going to get spending back under control. Mm. No, what the Republican leadership did was went right along with the Democrats in passing a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill, a bill that could have been negotiated once Republicans regained control of the House, but no, it was getaway day. They all had a plane to catch, so let's pass the bill. That is financial lunacy. That's exactly what we did. But you understand, your priorities are not their priorities. That's why I get on the air every day and say, like, I'm like a kamikaze pilot as a radio host in that I don't care about preserving myself in the eyes of these Republicans, of these Democrats, of these D.C. elites. I care about the truth, okay? And you're not getting the truth from anybody who goes on TV and it keeps telling you over and over and over again that we got to, you know, we got to, got to be McCarthy, got to have him. You know, he's the best guy for the people. That's not their priority. They're lying to you. Dan Crenshaw flat out admitted we need a lifer who raises a lot of money. Hear it again. It's clip 10. Byron Donalds is running. Byron Donalds is running. And and you don't. You don't think he's a credible he, candidate? He, he started. He started five minutes ago, and no, he's not a credible candidate. He's, he's a freshman who started five minutes ago. That's not running. He didn't raise hundreds of millions of dollars to win the Republican majority in, in multiple election cycles. No, that's not a credible candidate. But is there- that is so embarrassing. Never mind that if the criteria is he didn't run the last election cycle for the Republicans. Yo, here's a newsflash: the red wave. didn't happen despite a record level of fundraising by Republicans. You gotta do better than that. So the metric is, well, McCarthy ran the last election. Into the ground, I might add, but he ran the last election. I mean, if anything, that's a, that's a disqualifier to me. But that's what's going on. But here's the most oversimplified analysis. I'm just going to give you a horse sense analysis. You don't need to know anything about fundraising, about policies, about the inner workings of Washington. This is a guy who understands human nature and spent a lot of his adult life driving a cab. And I mean really busting my ass to get where I am now. My God. I'm going to drop dead mid-show one day, and it's going to be kind of hilarious. Uh, and believe me, I'll be fine with it. I'll finally get six hours of sleep. It's not a big deal. Jenny and Lincoln will be fine. It's all going to be great. But stick with me. Okay, Kevin McCarthy this week, Okay, on Sunday, Okay, ahead of the first vote on Tuesday, first vote was Tuesday for who's going to be the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy moved into the Speaker's suite on Sunday. That's stupid. Use your common sense. On a basic level, why is that stupid? Because you just jinx the gig. I mean, it's they haven't even voted you in yet. You're doing your touchdown dance. Hey, look at the balcony. Look at this new suite I'm in. I told the story off the air earlier. This show launched on March 9th of 2020. I had signed a contract to host it, but it being a lifelong dream of mine, I still didn't want to do anything to jinx it or put some type of weirdo vibe into the universe. So this set was decorated the day the show launched. Jenny and Lincoln and I came in in the middle of the night as a family and put all the toys on this desk and all the props and the things you see if you're watching on Fox Nation because you don't want to jinx it. Okay, McCarthy's about to be Speaker of the House. 
he moves into the office before the vote. What an idiot. But we're now sitting here 12 votes later. Okay, and for every one of those losing 11 votes, all of his stuff remained in the office. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. On a horse sense level, this is just bad vibes in the universe. But the actual substantive reason I find this to be disqualifying, are you ready for it, kiddos? Buckle up. Uncle Jimmy's got one for you. Okay, is Kevin McCarthy couldn't get into that office fast enough because he's not ready for the fight. He's ready for the glamour of the gig. Oh, wow. Dude, when you move into the gig, the, the new sweet office, and you get in there, set up your stuff, and get spread out, and you don't actually have the gig yet, you're thirsty. And you're demonstrating that thirst to the people who have to vote you in as a guy that's going to be willing to do everything Okay, because he desperately wants the gig that makes him weak to the people voting to confirm him. But do you know who that really makes him look weak to the Democrats? Bingo. And let me ask you this question. If you're the Democrats sitting across the negotiating table from McCarthy, a guy who could not corral the votes over the course of 11 votes to get him confirmed for an office he had already moved into. In what world do you think the Democrats respect and fear his ability to corral the votes when he has become the Speaker of the House? Okay, McCarthy ain't the guy. Could he get the gig? He'll probably get the gig because it's Friday and everybody wants to skip town in Washington. But he's lost the vote 11 times. And nobody can make a case for him. All the arguments are ridiculous. Well, what are the Democrats going to say about us if we don't wrap this up soon? Who cares? They're calling you Nazis and white supremacists. Is disorganized a big deal? No. And oh, by the way, if you confirm McCarthy today, the criticism doesn't go away. Do you know what the Democrats say today? Oh, they waited till January 6th so they could steer the conversation away from the attack at the Capitol. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. That's exactly what they're going to do. Okay, oh, the investigations can't start till we confirm McCarthy. Who cares if it's Monday or Tuesday when we start the investigations? Oh, this is going to hurt us with the voters. No, it's not. No one is going to the polls in 2024 going, well, the Democrats ran the economy into the ground. The border's wide open. Crime is through the roof. But more importantly, the Republicans did take four days to confirm a speaker. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to vote Democrat. That's not going to happen. Okay, the argument that it's taking too much time, I just understand this. To be a cab driver back in 07 when the taxi medallions were expensive, they were very protective of your access to those vehicles. I had to go on three separate interviews to get cleared to drive a taxi in New York City. Okay, if I had to sit down for three interviews to be a taxi driver, I'd like to think that the guy who is second in line to the presidency should sit down for as many interviews, especially when you consider how awful the people online in front of him happen to be. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, but that is the rub, okay? It's not about taking too much time. Oh, it's too long. It's not because they might miss the Hunter Biden investigation. It's not because they might miss the border investigation. It's because they might miss their flight this Friday. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. The show that always has a giant smile on its face. All day long, I just want to make everybody happy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The 12th House Speaker vote could begin shortly. 44 is the record. That goes all the way back to 1850, same year Joe Biden was born. And uh, right now, Hakeem Jeffries has been nominated. McCarthy's about to get nominated. Oh, Gates is speaking. Hold on. I might get nominated. You don't know. Gates has kind of made a mockery of the nomination process, but he's essentially articulated to Laura Ingram last night that he's not voting McCarthy no matter what. Now, as clownish and as crazy as this can look because they are holding things up, okay, understand what they're holding up is the clip I played you from Dan Crenshaw earlier. Get this over with so we can get back to selling out the country. I have found this experience to be so enlightening, not only on lawmakers in Washington, but on, you know, people who cover politics for a living. I've learned a lot. You know, there's a lot of people who analyze politics, even here at Fox, I think, uh, who believe this is damaging to Republicans if they don't wrap it up fast. And I think that's because they are traditionalists. They've been around Washington, and there was a time where this really was unheard of and really would be embarrassing to have it spill out in the public like this. But that's another argument for why Kevin McCarthy should have been shoring up the votes over the weekend. Instead of moving his stuff into the suite. Such an idiot. I mean, think about that. This weekend, they could have been caucusing. They could have been talking. They could have been bargaining. But instead, he was like, I'm going to be speaker and moved into the fancy new office. I mean, again, that alone is disqualifying. It's stupid. Okay, but understand that the deal didn't get done. It is now playing out in public. But the people who are analyzing politics for a living and think this is so damaging to the Republican Party didn't come up in the digital age of politics the way I did. I am so attuned to the way this works. And I'm not the bragging because the way it works is horrific. But the point is no story has a shelf life beyond its ending. They're going to select a speaker today, Monday, Tuesday, the day after. It won't matter. Nobody will even be talking about it. It won't be a thing. That's just how it works. That is correct. So understand, they're not, no one's voting based, you know, two years from now based on what happens two days from now. They don't care. What they're going to care about is whether or not they did something productive with the majority. It's not how it looks. It's how it goes. And if people started to think in those terms, we might get this wrapped up and we might get that promise on behalf of the American people that we've been promised again and again and again, but no one's shown any interest in it. Sad. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
As you all know, there was a horrible tragedy out in Idaho. But enough about Paul Morrow's wardrobe. Uh, joining us now on the show is the man who is out there making sense of this horrific case, uh, the great Paul Morrow. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? Good. Sorry about the cheap shot, but there wasn't going to be room from here. No, you you don't have any others, actually, right? They're all cheap. <laughs> Morrow. Much, much, like, much like your suits. Oh, Morrow, double-bagging it there. Uh, I will have you know, the wardrobe department dropped off two new jackets in my office last night that I had ordered like two months ago. Uh, oh, normally, yeah. when you order them around here, you get them back in like two weeks. I think they were so shocked that I ordered a solid that they assumed it was an error, and they just didn't process the order. I don't know. So usually you have to speak up for us to hear you over those suits, so that may be a step in the right direction. <laughs> Good for you. I'll give you the last word on this round. Um, listen, man, as I texted you off the air, I'm very, you know, obviously it's a horrible case, but there's a great moment of police redemption in here. The cops were obviously bashed for weeks, but as it turns out, uh, that arrest affidavit shows that they were all over this guy from the get-go, huh? Yeah, they really were. And, you know, kudos to you, Jimmy, because you never bought into that narrative. And that was a really easy narrative to buy into. And let's be really frank. You know, there's a little bit of coastal elitism, Mm -hmm. um, you know, among the pundit class. I'm probably guilty of it as well. But, you know, it was very, very easy to fall into the idea that local yokels in over their head, they're not going to be able to put this together. And as you and I have discussed, discussed, it's never the agency. It's the people. Mm -hmm. And they had good people in the task force, and even in Moscow PD, you know, small agency, et cetera. But they knew enough right away, they were professional enough right away to say, we're going to need help on this thing. They constituted the task force, and they did some very sophisticated work here. Yeah, it was fascinating stuff. Well, one thing I did learn in reading the affidavit is he wasn't nearly as meticulous as the story had gone, you know, between the knife sheath and the uh, the footprint that was left at the scene. But I noticed, I will give you credit, Moro, in between all your cheap shots, that it was, in fact, digital DNA that ultimately did him in as you predicted. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, most investigators, I think, would have, um, you know, said the same thing. Um, I just uh, happened to be one who was saying it on the air a little bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they they really did manage to put together a real good digital footprint of this guy, despite the fact that, incredibly, his degree, one of his degrees, was in cloud forensics, which is, you know, by definition, digital forensics. But, Let's be frank. This guy was not exactly Professor Moriarty here, all right? I mean, with all of the stuff he supposedly did to kind of cover his footprint, he drove his own car to the event. That's crazy. All right? Again, assuming it's him, assuming it's the accused, you know, which we're kind of predicating our discussions on. Mm -hmm. He drove his own car. He left the chief at the scene with his DNA on it. He returned to the scene at 9 o'clock. He had been scoping the scene all along with his phone on. Mm -hmm. And if he really had a degree in uh, cloud forensics and really knew what he was doing, he would have known that the police were going to go historic and start looking back, and they were going to be able to put some of that stuff together. It's fascinating stuff. We're talking to Paul Morrow. He is out in Moscow, Idaho. He's, of course, a retired NYPD inspector. Uh, He's currently active in the fashion police, but we'll stay on message for a second here. Um, The way I read the affidavit is that the video surveillance on local establishments in the area caught his Elantra not only leaving um, the you know Washington area and going to the crime scene, passing it several times. He ultimately parked at the scene and then fled, they said, rather quickly. He sped out of there 20 minutes later for a drive back to the exact place where he started. So even that alone to me 
Uh, I saw that he took kind of a circuitous route, but that alone to me did speak to him not being as on top of this as we thought. Um, and then there was one other thing I wanted to throw at you about that. It, it's that I read in there that they had an APB essentially on this car dating back to the last week of November, which, again, right. is a full month before, you know, they were getting any credit for even attempting to solve this. No, you're 100% right. And, you know, if you um, look at, in the affidavit, on 29 November, they put out the information about the car, mm-hmm. all right? And they knew about it a few days before that. So that, I think it was November 25th mm-hmm. that they actually knew that they were looking for a white Elantra mm-hmm. of a particular year. The event was on November 13th. You're talking only two weeks afterwards, and they had a very, very solid clue. And then 29 November, two uh, Washington State University cops who, you know, we're not hearing anything about, but they're named in the affidavit and more power to them, independently took it upon themselves to run with that information, started doing uh, started doing a canvas. One of them physically finds the car. The other one finds uh, digitally online. He's looking into police databases. And he finds the fact that there is, in fact, an Elantra that fits the description registered to a student at the schools. And that's on 29 November. So not much more than two weeks afterwards, independent of the genealogical DNA, which we are not that's not in the affidavit. And there are reasons for that if you want to discuss. But mm-hmm. they knew about the car and already had that solid lead within two weeks. And yet that was like right in the prime area where people were already saying things like we're past the, the, the hot 48 hours that, mm-hmm. you know, you always solve these things in. And so these guys have blown it. The crime scene was contaminated. Let the FBI take the investigation over completely, et cetera. And the FBI was very crucial here. I'm sure they helped a lot with looking at the phone pings and all of that stuff. But that, there was no reason to believe at that time just because the messaging wasn't as fulsome as people wanted. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to think that operationally these guys were dropping the ball, and they ultimately proved that that uh, was true. Yeah, no, I, I love that because it's, you know, police work is the most thankless profession in the world to begin with. I always say they're the NFL referees of life. You make three million calls a week in a split second. People only talk about the call they don't agree with. Uh, but in this that's, instance, that's right. that's yeah, they made all yeah, the right calls. Well, something I want to throw at you, Paul, that's been making a lot of headlines is the reaction of the roommate who survived, who yeah. you know saw the killer, understandably locked herself in the room. A lot of people have spoken to that seven-hour gap. Um, I wanted to ask you, is, is it possible that the reason that seven-hour gap ensued is one, shock, and two, uh, I don't know that she had anything illegal going on in her own room, but if, in fact, she was in possession of drugs or something like that, maybe she was reticent to call the cops. Has anyone spoken to a reason for why that gap ensued? No, um, nobody officially has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have been extremely protective of the two surviving roommates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you're starting to see why, because, you know, at least one of them is a really crucial witness. I had heard... From a source I have that uh, a few days before the case came down, that number one, it was coming down. Uh, I didn't know who was going to be the perp, but, you know, I was told it was coming. One of the other things I had been told was that, and one of the roommates, surviving roommates, actually saw the perp. So they were very protective of her before all of this came out, and it remains that way now. Mm -hmm. One of the ways we may ultimately, and by the way, Jimmy, remember something else, Um, you know, to speak to your point. Yeah, she she does ultimately make the 911 call about seven uh, hours and change later, but that's not her first call. Okay. The next morning, she actually calls a friend of Ethan's, and uh, the story that's been out is that she calls over to the fraternity house, and some friends come over. 
before she makes the call to 911. Either they convince her to call 911 or whatever it is, she makes that call finally, and then a few of them jump on the phone with 911, presumably because she's upset and is having trouble communicating. There must have been a lot of hysteria. So, you know, there is a lot to question and wonder about there. It does seem like, uh, you know, you would have expected the call to be made the night before. Yeah. And then the next morning, you certainly would have thought, okay, when she sees the scene, if she yeah. hadn't uh, seen it the night before, which I assume she had not, yeah. then she would have made, called 911. Instead, she makes the call to her friends. And so you, you can't help but question that where we may ultimately find out about this. It depends on how far into the litigation the prosecution goes, you know, before he takes a plea, assuming he does. Mm -hmm. He's likely looking at the death penalty if, if this is him. Mm -hmm. um, and so we may never see it, but <clears throat> it may be in the discovery documents. The defense, remember, is entitled to the documents, the evidence that's mm -hmm. going to be used against him in court. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a court-appointed attorney if he doesn't have his own. And that stuff's going to go in there, and it may actually take all the way to trial before we actually see somebody raise the issues as to why those calls weren't made. I mean, that's really fascinating stuff. We're talking to retired NYPD uh, Inspector Paul Morrow, who's out in Moscow, Idaho. Um, I was, you know, I was reading this yesterday when you sent me the affidavit. And, uh, you know, I kind of had the same reaction everybody did about this girl. But the other reaction I was fascinated with in that situation is that of the killer. Now, if he presumably saw her, we don't know that he did or he didn't, but there was a close enough encounter for her to get an accurate description of his height and his eyebrows, something that was ultimately corroborated by the police in the affidavit in that when they got the car information pinged to the phone and traced it all back to him, they were like, wow, he's six foot one. She said 5'11 with bushy eyebrows. There he is, six foot one with bushy eyebrows. And there was a lot to yeah. tie the two together. But I wanted to ask yeah. you about the potential killer's reaction. When guys go in, uh, I don't know if there's a historic, you know, um, consensus on this, but when guys go into a situation like that and murder four people, these are unhinged, these are lunatic people, are they in like this altered state of consciousness where they can be startled out of it and that's why he fled despite the fact that there was clearly a survivor and potential witness in the residence? You know, that's a, you ask very good questions for uh, a guy who wears uh, used car sales. <laughs> Moro, do you want the warranty? Yes or no? <laughs> you were you were a uh, you were a born lawyer. That's a you know, it really is a good question. I mean, because yeah, I mean, he he had just done four people. Why does he let her survive? Especially since the um, there's you know a couple of things embedded in that. Number one, she can ID him, right? That's mm -hmm. number one. Number two. You know, a lot of the theories here, remember, let's go back to that word targeted that seemed to upset everybody so, so much. Mm -hmm. If indeed, you know, according to this affidavit, um, it looks like uh, pretty, pretty solidly that the order of the killing were the two girls upstairs and then the two downstairs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to wonder, did he kill the um, in some instance, did he kill the upstairs? Was was one of them the target? And he killed the other one just because she was there. Mm -hmm. All right, and then he comes downstairs, and for whatever reason, he continue, keeps going. I guess it continues to feed his compulsion. Why then would he stop after the fifth? Under any theory of this thing, either keeping people quiet or because he has this compulsion, you would have expected him to keep going. Mm -hmm. And yet he doesn't, and she very clearly looked him right in the face. So what, you know, where you're going to come away from that is one of two things that I see, and these are the theories that I've heard batted around. Number one, he was just physically exhausted. Mm -hmm. Okay, and at that point, he was past doing anything more 
and he just wanted to get out, out of there. Mm-hmm. As far as him being in some sort of an altered state, the, um, the only idea I've seen uh, that is relative to that is that the altered state that they often enter is a state of frenzy, almost like a shark feeding. If you read any of the stuff about um, uh, what's his name, Bundy, mm-hmm. and some of the others, you know, even the books that that cover their lives mm-hmm. tend to obfuscate the real graphic details of what these people have done. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've in some instances read specifically mm-hmm. about what gets done, and I've seen it in crime scene reports and stuff, and it is unimaginably brutal and you have to say to yourself yeah they are in an altered state but it's an altered state relative to killing not that they are in some you know yeah. gray zone and don't see people they don't get tunnel vision mm-hmm. um the famous incident in florida of bundy with the nurses mm-hmm. i mean he's going room to room in just this psychotic frenzy mm-hmm. so um and you know so some of what he did is just unimaginably brutal yeah so no i i have to be honest i i haven't heard that there is this altered state that they go into where they have such tunnel vision they're not going to see somebody that they're looking right at Mm-hmm. And if anything, I would argue that the altered state they go into would would tend to elicit more killing from them. So mm-hmm. I don't have any real good answer for that other than to say he might very well have just been so completely exhausted that um, he wanted to get out of there or that his compulsion had been satiated. Why leave a live uh, – you know, a, mm-hmm. a live witness. You really got to ask yourself, unless, of course, the house was dark and he didn't see her. Yeah, that's what just didn't see her. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, because it doesn't make sense under any other, you know, scenario either uh, of either a this thing I've invented of altered state of being or b him just not seeing her. Because, again, as a guy who clearly does, from what I've read, uh, who clearly did anyway, target I, he had to have targeted somebody. I mean, when you read into the affidavit about the amount of times he went by the house and exactly. how traditionally when they're making the argument of targeting they trace the vehicle to see if it had cased the residence and the scene of the crime earlier and this guy clearly did not only did he do it but his phone did it um so the the next thing i wanted to ask you about that is based on what we now know about the dad flying out and driving back with him um Mm -hmm. did you read anything that made you think the dad was potentially involved not necessarily in the killing on any level but certainly did he drive cross country knowing what his son did or is it too soon to read into that I'd go with too soon. Um, I haven't seen anything that's this positive. You know, I know there was a lot of people reading into uh, the idea that the uh, garbage cover they did, you know, out in Pennsylvania was actually from a neighbor because uh, they had apparently put the garbage in a neighbor's garbage can, Mm -hmm. um, potentially, I suppose, like to try to uh, trick the cops or something. But there's all kinds of things that they would have done as part of their surveillance to keep an eye on him that would have picked that up, let's just say, okay, whether yeah. they're physically surveilling him or something digitally to keep an eye on the house. So, you know, look, parents, uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, can be really yeah. willfully blind when it comes to their kids. Even, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're told that, you know, your kid's a bully at school. He beats somebody up. Oh, my kid would never do that. Yeah. So, you know, and let's, you know, really um, take a step back. The father is likely aware of the fact that he had an oddball son. Mm-hmm. The guy does not seem to have any long-lasting relationships or any relationships of any sort, romantic or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 28 years old. He's nearly, really never held gainful employment. Everybody says he's very socially awkward. The son probably wants to get the car out of uh, this area because you know he is enough a criminologist enough to know that he's probably got all kinds of transfer evidence inside the car. And so he's getting the car out of the Pullman area and getting it back home where he can clean it up. 
and he tells his father, this is my snail, I'm just conjuring yeah. The father, he tells the father, I'm driving it back home for the Christmas break. That way I can use my own car back home, et cetera. He may really be thinking, I want to get this thing out of here. Mm-hmm. And the father thinks, he's my poor, awkward, introverted mm-hmm. son. Um, he's going to be driving cross country. He hasn't done that before. I'm a little worried about him. Let me go over there. We'll do a little father-son bonding. I'll take a flight out. The flights aren't that expensive these days. I'll drive cross country with him. We'll have a memory. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of benign reading. Um, and you could easily explain pretty much everything you ha- that has happened under that theory. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's right, however. Um, you Crazy. Know, I, I, I have not seen anything, however, where we could say, oh, the father knew. Yeah. Um, you know, we do rush to judgment on these things. And, yep. you know, that seems the obvious thing. He flew out there. Why would he do that? Yeah. He must have known. Well, if anybody he knows. Come up with reasons he didn't. If anybody knows uh, about lousy parents deserving the benefit of the doubt, it's me. So I will leave you with that. Yeah, uh, I believe that. <laughs> get, get, get back in front of your TV cameras, Mr. Wonderful. Thanks for your time, man. We'll talk over the weekend. You got it. You're the best. The great Paul Morrow. There we go. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America on a big Friday episode of the show. We're supposed to hear from Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek. You know, that was, of course, pending the outcome of the 12th speaker vote for Kevin McCarthy. Well, dig this. Are you paying attention? Are you sitting down? They just voted a 12th time to confirm Kevin McCarthy. And here it is. He lost again. That is so embarrassing. Kevin McCarthy is now 0 for 12 on votes to be the next Speaker of the House. We will preview vote number 13 as well as recite the definition of insanity which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Democrats and Republicans about to do it when we come back. Why do you do things like that? Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and we are getting ready to rumble in this hour because Kat Kamek, one of my favorite guests of all time, is scheduled to come by after this 12th vote for Kevin McCarthy fails and explain to me why I am wrong for not supporting McCarthy's bid for the speakership. What the hell is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I think Kamek. I think Kamek is in the wrong here. And uh, it's this is a, this is what we do on this show. This is a real show. I don't take orders from politicians, and even the ones I like uh, are going to have their feet held to the fire. So uh, get ready for some real radio fireworks. If you want to, you know, see the tail of the tape, you want to be a part of the weigh-in, uh, 888-788-9910. As we get underway, McCarthy appears to have just lost his 12th straight speaker vote. Get him out of here. Get him out. If I, I've, listen, there are people left to go, and it really does depend on how Hakeem Jeffries and whether or not any Democrats either A, vote present, or B, switch over just to get this wrapped up and start doing the people's business. Okay, we do not know. But traditionally, if all Democrats vote for Jeffries, as they have in the first 11 votes, by that metric... McCarthy has already lost for the 12th time. 
Okay, so we're ca- what'd you say? Who voted? Chip Roy voted for McCarthy. Wow. So they just made a backroom deal for Chip Roy. Why, folks? Friday is getaway day. I agree with that. What that means is today the day is the day everyone's scheduled to board a plane and head home. They do not want to drag this out over the weekend. They want to go get tanked in an airport chilies. That's exactly what's going on right now as we speak. And uh, it is now McCarthy 166, Jeffries 159. There are still seven dissenters who have voted other, and uh, we are a long way from home. Now, uh, Chip Roy switching to McCarthy is interesting because at the very least it means something was done to address these concerns by Chip Roy. Okay, this is him on the House floor Tuesday explaining why the current process was not something he could go along with. Uh, It is clip 15. What we're doing is exercising our rights to vote and have a debate and have a discussion about the future of this country through the decision of choosing a speaker. This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it. $40 $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it, 10% increase in defense spending, 6% increase in non-defense spending, and not pay for it, and not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. That bill gets rammed through, and we know exactly how it gets rammed through, because the defense world and the non-defense world come together and say, you know what, we're going to cut a deal. And we'll all go to the mics, and we'll all go give speeches, and the American people are the big losers. That's not right. But that's exactly what's going on. The way they've been passing legislation is wrong. It is flawed. There's not, enough big, there's not a big enough window to read it and know what they're voting on, number one. Number two, there's no debate over good or bad, yay or nay. People give floor speeches to an empty chamber, get a soundbite on TV, and head to the airport. Folks, these politicians work for us. We pay their salaries. We determine who represents us in Washington. He's flat out admitting that this has been the status quo in Washington our whole lives. They don't go there thinking about you or me. They go there. They vote without even reading the bill, spend our money, and head down to the airport chilies for two-for-one margaritas. Listen, I love a good two-for-one margarita. I do. Look at me. I'm a mess. But I wouldn't sell out the country to get to happy hour quicker. Everybody else in, po- in politics would. So if Chip Roy has now flipped to support McCarthy, there was either a backroom concession to some of the upheaval he was proposing in the process of passing legislation in the Rules Committee, or he just flat out was like, it's Friday. <laughs> I ain't hanging out in the swamp all weekend. I got to get home. Baby girl, we put up a fight. We did what we could, girl, but I'm coming home, girl. Take the phone off the hook, girl. Going to be you and me. Uh, let me talk about this. Dan is in Lake Forest, Illinois. Dan, have you been flipped to McCarthy? Hey, Jimmy. No, I have not. And uh, and here's the reason why. I um, I don't want an establishment. Mm-hmm. You broke up a little Political bit. Climate. But, yep. Yeah. Are, are you still there, Jimmy? Yes, yes, yep. yes. Go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't want an establishment Republican. We had the most favorable political climate in decades for the Republican Party. They didn't deliver. And, um, you know, I want somebody who's going to fight harder for conservative values and principles. You know, I, I feel like these Republicans never stand up. They never show any fortitude, conviction, backbone, resolve, and I, I just want to change. Now, listen, I, I agree. And the metric we're hearing for why we can't nominate like a Byron Donalds is they go, oh, he's new. He won't get anything done. I'd love them to not get anything done. If they didn't get done the omnibus bill, I'd be thrilled. If they didn't get done the Inflation Reduction Act, I would be thrilled. You know, you tell me Congress is just going to run clock until we can get a proper majority back into the Senate. Because the truth is, and no one's talking about this, okay, the idea that we take back control of the House means nothing other than investigations. Okay, yes, we have power of the purse. Great. But it's not like we can author legislation the Senate's going to pass because the Democrats hold a majority. So the Republicans cannot fundamentally change laws or policy with control of the House. The only thing we can do is investigate people. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think Hunter Biden is a scam, but I think the way it's going to go down is we'll come to realize he was selling influence in our government, but in the same way the Clinton Foundation raised a trillion dollars. It wasn't technically illegal to do it. They just properly created the perception that if you donate to us, you'll have some influence. And that's exactly what Sam Bankman Free did, too. It's not right, but it's also not going anywhere. So I think the sell on this that we well, we need the establishment guys so we can get to work investigating the other establishment guys. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> that's the scam. You know, you get it. I mean, we need we need more dance is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, it feels sometimes like the like the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, they go through this theatrical fighting in public in front of the cameras. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of feel like they they all go out to dinner that night for big steak dinner and 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 drinks that night. You know what I mean, Jimmy? Yep, That's all it is, man. It's all of this is pro wrestling, man. The fans fight in the parking lot. (laughs) The wrestlers go to Hooters. That's all it is, man. Dan, I'm I'm glad I'm talking to you. Yeah, you too. Have a big weekend, my man. I'll see you soon. Uh, 888-788-9910. Doug is in Odessa, Texas. Yo, Doug. Hello, Jerry. My man. I think I think this tribe of congressmen need to go back this weekend to their districts and hear from their constituents and come back on Monday with whatever skin they have left <laughs> and get this settled. Yeah, you because make, the yeah. prime issue in this mess mm-hmm. is the is the automatic bill death or passage that the Congress has turned into over the last 40 years where things don't get debated. Mm-hmm. They either die in committee or the speaker puts it out there. Nobody has time to read it, and then they have to vote for passage or, or knock it down. Yep. And, and Kevin McCarthy, the holder of the campaign books this last election, is as responsible as Mitch McConnell for who is sitting in the House as Republicans and who is not sitting in the House as Republicans and the numbers thereof. Yep. Which tells me that Mitch McConnell and McCarthy both wanted to have a weak Congress. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, man, that's like some next level analysis. 
because McConnell. I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> I get to do next level. <laughs> you're, it's a varsity game when you're on the phone, Doug. This is the thing, man. What did McConnell do with that terrible spending bill? He went out with Biden and celebrated the passage. And it is not a bill that's popular with Republicans. Like McCarthy is not popular with voters. Nobody is polling voters and saying, hey, what do we do here? And that's the scam. And, you know, I, I, in a perfect world, hope some of these holdouts stand their ground. It's going to be a skin of the teeth vote from here. McCarthy is over Jeffries by two right now with seven holdouts. He could. McConnell wanted the Senate to have minority Republican uh, representation because he engineered it that way. Yep. So crazy. And I think and I think McCarthy engineered the House to have a very weak minority. Well, it's certainly we definitely have one. And this is the truth. Even if McCarthy gets confirmed in what world is he going to be able to rally support for bills, knowing he couldn't even rally support for himself? And the Democrats know that he looks weak to the Democrats. What makes McCarthy trustworthy to the word he's giving these people? Yep. Crazy. I don't see it. No, I don't see it. No, because you, the guys, the guys' ego is what's pushing this. Let me Not ask you because this: because of something yeah. good for America. Well, let me ask you this: on a horse sense level, getting politics out of the equation, isn't it just dumb to you that he moved in over the weekend into the new speaker suite instead of ensuring that he had the votes? Uh, it, it it's more than that. It's precocious. Yep, Doug, you I, get, and that's and that's being mild about it. Listen, I, 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 I'm working on my 72nd year on this planet, Mm -hmm. and I have watched as the Republicans play gentleman politics with raving idiots Mm -hmm. on the Democrat side, and now they're playing worse than gentleman politics with these raving idiots. (laughs) They're playing with them. It's listen. It's so true, man. Uh, if I didn't have a commercial, I would let you guest host the rest of the show right now. Except your vocabulary is probably too big for what they're listening. They're used to used to on this show. Uh, but Doug, great call, great analysis. Uh, let's do more of this in the new year. If you don't become the speaker yourself, there he goes, the great Doug. There we go. Back after this, the show that sees through the bull. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Supposed to be talking with Florida Representative Kat Kamek in the next break. But the 12 vote for Speaker of the House ongoing. 14 Republicans have flipped and have now voiced their support for McCarthy. He is three votes away from taking this thing. He needs to get to 217 votes based on today's math. 218 would traditionally be, I think, but somebody's not there today. I was trying to figure this out. It says, yeah, Wesley Hunt's not there. So it'll be 217 today to have that majority. Uh, But one way or the other, he doesn't have the votes. He's still three votes away. They're waiting to see if anybody else will get into the chamber. But this is the most votes McCarthy has accumulated since voting began. Just 11 short rounds of voting ago. There is so much pressure on the holdouts. And I think if you ask the voters, they'd say hold out. Okay. I think if you ask the media, wow, listen to this one. Here's Maragay. This will win 
I, I it should win dumbest comment of the century. But sadly, in the race to the bottom that we're constantly engaging in in politics now, this isn't a blip on the radar, but I wanted to highlight it for you. Marigate MSNBC. She's a member of the New York Times editorial board. Okay, she wants you to believe these holdouts are holding out because they were elected to stop the browning of America. What the hell did you just say? That's the browning of America. They're there to advance white supremacy. Okay, that's the claim. These holdouts nominated a black man by the name of Byron Donalds. Okay, last unless there's a typo. In the white supremacist handbook, I got to be honest, nominating a black man to be Speaker of the House does not strike me as going to Washington to stop the browning of America. It would, in fact, be a historic appointment by the Republicans, one that would give them a significant beatback against the incessant claims by Democrats that they're racist. But, of course, the Republicans are a stupid, inept group of people as a whole. So they went right away from the Byron Donalds thing and were like, no, we need the swamp guy. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. And we have people covering them that don't know what they're doing. Here's Mary Gay, clip seven. Some of these individuals were people who uh, were really only elected based on a litmus test to stop the tide of diversity in the country, the browning of America, the fears that surround that. And so they were not elected to go do the work of government. And you're seeing that now. It's terrifying. That was absolutely dreadful. I mean, really. That was embarrassing. Seriously. Shut up, fool! What an idiot. They were sent to Washington to stop the browning of America. Racism, by definition is passing and advancing a generalization of a group of people without knowing anything about them, which is exactly what she's doing. She's decided that, oh, Byron Donalds, who was a holdout, okay, it's a good example. He was a nominee to be speaker. He is a black man. I do not doubt. I mean, wow, this is just so bananas. It's so stupid I can't even explain it to you. It's hurting my head to explain this to you. But the people who voted for Byron Donalds did not vote for him because they thought he was going to stop the browning out of America. If you want less black people in America, you don't send more of them to Congress. Bingo. You do not nominate them to be Speaker of the House in Congress. Bingo. These people are weapons-grade stupid, but beyond that, they're just shameless. We're living in the death of shame. They play the race card with no regard for the toxic effect it has on society, which cheapens it, number one, but number two really insults your intelligence and divides the country that much more. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. Another thing they're you know comparing the holdouts to are terrorists. Here's Tucker talking about that last night, clip eight. The failure to make it super easy and simple for Kevin McCarthy is extremism, declares Nicole Wallace. It's just embarrassing, says Ryan Zinke. It's pornography, says another. Poor old Charlie Sykes got so upset watching the proceedings that he compared a vote in Congress to an exploding hand grenade. There was smoke and fire and shrapnel and the shrieking of the dying calling out for their mothers because some people would not vote for Kevin McCarthy. That's what it was like in there, ladies and gentlemen. Some of us will never recover. Then another one of the buffoons in the clip you just saw went further and called the whole thing terrorism. 
which is the remorseless use of violence against the civilian population to affect a political goal. So Chip Roy is Osama bin Laden now. Hunt him down in his cave. That's unbelievable. But that's what's going on in our politics right now. People are bandying about ridiculous terms because we live in such an age of low information. Okay, social pressure goes so far now because politics have become a branding exercise. The reason Democrats call everyone a racist is because there's enough people out there that go, oh, uh, so who's a racist? Okay, well, I don't want to be hanging out with a racist. I don't want that on my Facebook page. So I'll, I'll vote for the Democrats then. And that's the Republicans are doing the same thing. Oh, these holdouts are like terrorists. And people are like, well, I don't want to be uh, around the terrorists. So, uh, all right, I guess I'll vote for these guys then. And all along, all that allows the, you know, the people in power to do is remain in power and continue to divide our country while delivering nothing for the support you give either side. It's disgusting, and we will keep calling it out. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A little bit of trolling on the House floor there. As Representative Rosendale, the vote came to him. He said the words, Kevin! And left everybody hanging on the floor, thinking he might say McCarthy, maybe swing the outcome of this thing. And then said, Hearn. And as you heard, he walked right out of the chamber. That's just how white folks will do you. As the booze ensued, he threw it up like a game-winning field goal. Kevin! And everybody's like, ah, ah, ah. And he went, Hearn. No bueno. Uh, McCarthy getting to 213 in this go-round. Hakeem Jeffries at 211. And the vote for others, uh, four of which went to Jim Jordan, three of which went to Kevin Hearn. Leaves the tally at 213 to 211 to 7 as we appear to have wrapped up the 12th round of voting. I believe they're giving a courtesy window to people who have not voted yet. Uh, but, of course, Rosendale did not have the most memorable soundbite of the confirmation process. There have been all kinds of things said uh, at the lectern, some of them serious, some of them a little tongue-in-cheek. And to be honest, probably true. Here's one of them. Diversity of thought is a good thing. It's one of the things that sets us apart from our friends on the other side of the aisle. Yes, diversity of thought is a good thing, but they want us divided. They want us to fight each other. That much has been made clear by the popcorn and blankets and alcohol that is coming over there. (laughs) Even Pee Wee Herman cracked up at that one. And joining us now, the comedian who authored the memorable line, superstar representative from the great state of Florida, Kat Kamek on the show. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Yo, I had to analyze that on TV at four in the morning, thanks to you. And uh, yeah, so so Am that. I Am I wrong, Jimmy? <laughs> oh, I thought it was laugh out loud funny. And I actually liked that you did what you do on this show, which is you brought some levity to the situation. Because deep down, number one, they definitely drinking. But number two, okay, this idea that they had like this morality reaction to what you said. These are the people. So they're they're mad that you accused them of drinking. These are the people bringing five year olds to drag shows. <laughs> this is what is so funny. I'm like, one, there must have been a nerve that was struck mm-hmm. uh, when I said that, and immediately, and I hope the cameras caught it. But one of my Democratic colleagues 
immediately ripped the blanket that she had off her lap and started shoving it down in front of the chair in front of her, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> and then, not to mention the alcohol and the popcorn and everything, but it, it, it's like, it's almost like I was speaking truth, you know, mm. just highlighting the things that everyone across America has already known. It's like, you, you, you think that people back home don't know that people up here drink alcohol? I, I mean, it's like the worst kept secret known to man. Dude, so, we're, two, oh. we're, two speak, we're two speakers uh, removed from John Boehner to put it on our party, okay? <laughs> people know there's booze in Washington, but stick with me because I have a serious question. Having uh-huh. watched the clip and seen you on the floor uh, in, the, in the, the dress, uh, did you make it to the prom afterwards? Jimmy, you love that dress. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Kat Kavik, you are the best because you, you speak fluent Jimmy Fallon, but I love when you get street on me. Like, I know my stuff is good. I love it. I know it because, listen, you bought it for me. <laughs> I did not buy it. Hold on. All right. So listen, this is your big chance to take me to school because we agree on everything. How do I convince my callers? I have a lot of callers that are not pro McCarthy. So take yeah. us to school. And if this interview ends without us being convinced, maybe you can take us to summer school. But what what is the case for McCarthy that I'm supposed to tell these callers? So, I mean, and, and you just saw and people were watching this. Uh, we just had about eight people flip to Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. and uh, and Jimmy I text you some of the stuff that's going on mm-hmm. I mean you've got you've got a very small group of members that are holdouts that are now working with the Democrats people like Ilhan Omar and I don't know about you but there is no day of the week that I'm going to work with Ilhan Omar um, not much that we agree on but I'll say this to everybody listening doesn't matter if it's Kevin McCarthy or Jim Jordan doesn't matter if it's Mickey Mouse as speaker the thing that matters when it comes to draining the swamp is a rules package. Now, this is super inside baseball, and I mm-hmm. recognize that. Yep. But the rules package is what dictates how we as members operate. Mm-hmm. It tells us how much time we have to read the bills, whether or not we get single-issue bills or not, how, much, uh, how many members it takes to raise taxes, things like that. And what we have negotiated over the last two months has been the most conservative package in United States history, history, mm-hmm. things that we never thought would ever happen. And I am the ultimate drain the swamp person. Mm-hmm. I was fighting for testified for single issue bills. Guess what? We got single issue bills. We got 72 hours to read the bill. We got a way to hold the speaker accountable with a single vote. Mm-hmm. We did all these things, term limits vote, but uh, balanced budget amendment, all these things mm-hmm. only happen because of a rules package that has been negotiated in good faith. Mm -hmm. But I will say this. There are members who spoke today that Mm -hmm. stood up and said, Kevin McCarthy will never be speaker today, tomorrow, or any other day, and admitted, said, quote, this rules package is exquisite. We got more than we wanted. We got everything we wanted, but we will not give him the gavel. To me, that says that your personal vendetta is more important than the country. And as an America first person, Mm -hmm. that's unacceptable to me. mm -hmm. That is selfish and it is unacceptable. So if you're truly America first, Mm -hmm. you put your personal issues aside and you do what's best for the country. And this is so far beyond party. We got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to the Constitution. And I'll be damned if people who want to use this as a way to raise campaign funds and, and get TV time. If that's what their end game is, they're in the wrong place. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but it sounds like they rhyme with spates and gobert. 
Uh, but I don't want to put you on the record. <laughs> let me ask it. Let me add to that then, though. Knowing we negotiated the most conservative package in the world, uh, why do you think it took till today for a guy like Chip Roy to flip? Was there an additional con- additional concession made this morning or on the House call this morning? Believe it or not, Jimmy, there is. I don't even call these concessions. These are good conservative okay. wins. This is going to make. This is going to make this place actually operate that it was supposed the way it was supposed to, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so I, I tell everybody stop calling them concessions. This is something that okay. we all collectively wanted, um, and so the thing that has changed, and there's only been one thing because this is basically the same package we were talking about eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's the motion to vacate. And what a motion to vacate is, is it says that any member can stand up at any time, Republican or Democrat, and say, I've lost confidence in this Speaker of the House. And then it forces a vote on the House floor, which, of course, the magic number is 218. So we had seen under Speaker Pelosi, she had stripped the motion to vacate. She didn't want to be held accountable. So what she did was she said, we're doing away with that rule. Under the original negotiated package, going back more than eight weeks within the Republicans, they had said, let's put the motion to vacate back at five, that you would require five members in order to activate this motion. The holdouts, the 20, were saying, we want it down to one. Well, two days ago, it got down to one. And so at that point, it was, so what's, what's the, well, the holdup? What's the hangup? And I think there's a lot of hurt feelings. I think there's a lot of mistrust. And, Jimmy, you and I both know you don't ever trust a politician. No, no one comes up here saying, I'm going to trust my colleagues. Yeah. I like the whole trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Put it in writing. Put daylight on it. Put it in sunshine where everyone across America can see it. Mm-hmm. And my big beef in this whole process was don't come up here saying you're going to drain the swamp and then engage in the exact same behavior that you're accusing others of, the backroom deal, all that stuff. That's nonsense. I want people to be held accountable. Make them put their name on it. Sign it. That is the only way we're going to change this place and this rules package that has been negotiated in good faith. And and let me tell you, Chip Roy is my friend. I was talking to him yesterday. I was texting with him this morning. Byron Donald, my boy from Florida, you know that. Mm-hmm. We've been talking nonstop. This is, this is the point in time where it says we've got to leave. We have secured mm-hmm. the best deal that we possibly can, and they've done it in good faith. The name calling, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. But the people that have been operating in good faith, I absolutely have respect and admiration for. And so for Dan Bishop, Chip Roy, Byron Donald, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough good about them. And then we just saw, like I said, about eight or nine. I don't know the number exactly, mm-hmm. um, but we're two away at this point, two, two votes away from securing this. That, that tells us right now that we're able to get to work. And I will say this. I had a call today, this morning, and I know I'm rambling. Mm. We enjoy it, though. Go ahead. It's good rambling. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I haven't slept in days, and we've been we've been working our tails off on this because, mm. you know, it's just the country at stake. We've got a country to <laughs> save, so, you know, I feel like it's pretty important. I had a call from several Border Patrol agents this morning. The White House, in a strategic political move, has now adopted the border security plan that the Border Patrol agents had written out that was supposed to be the plan that Republicans were going to use. And they were incredibly incensed because they know that the White House isn't doing this in good faith. They're doing it because it's a political win for them. Mm -hmm. Because now Republicans will have a really hard time turning around and saying, yeah, we secured the border. No, they didn't. 
Mm-hmm. It's because the White House took the plan away from them and made it their own, and then they're making tweaks to it. So it just made our job 10 times harder. And while we've been goofing around up here with this, people are still on the job, on the line, apprehending people, trying to make it so that the border is somewhat secure. But at the end of the day, this has been a delay in doing the things that are most important, securing the border, getting our country back on track, securing our nation. There you go. My producer started playing America the Beautiful on a flute as you've wrapped up that last (laughs) soundbite. Kat Kamek, give me this because you're always honest with me. Uh, so many people have flipped. We have 14 House GOP members flip back to McCarthy. What yes. percentage of those guys just want to make their flight out of town because today's getaway day? Um, honestly, I will tell you that um, in my conversations, none of them have said, I got to get out of here. None of them. <laughs> well, they don't say it. They don't say it. Nobody says, hey, I got to get to that airport Chili's, but I know it's going to be crowded, girl. No, and I, Jimmy, I love you, and I know you and I, we always, we always cut up. Um, in all seriousness, you know, um, right now as we speak, you know, uh, funerals have been pro- uh, postponed. Um, one of our colleagues has a daughter who has terminal cancer, and um, he's trying to get home. Yeah, that uh, we understand, of course. That's horrific. yeah, you know, it's, you know, uh, someone's wife is in is in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. an urgent situation. You know, uh, one of our colleagues just had a baby and uh is in the NICU I mean we we uh we got real family things going on and people are still here they're Mm -hmm. still hanging strong and I think it's because people realize what's at stake do you think all right that's fair 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 um let me ask you this I don't mean to cut you off but I know you've got another vote to get to do you think uh they're going to get this thing over the top today I mean there are a few votes away now it's very close we're two votes away very good chance we get this wrapped up today at what point uh, here's a, we'll continue into the weekend yeah because all i was going to say to you is okay if if enough people leave the threshold comes down so maybe at this point instead of negotiating with republicans shouldn't be people just be buying a couple of democrats some tickets to grand cayman or something like that to get them out of the chamber <laughs> well don't they have like inside trading and and people that do that for Listen, them get, get, don't, i'm not saying you get your hands dirty watergate i'm just telling you kamik since it's just you and me i had mikey take us off the air you're nice enough to text me inside baseball stuff i'm just giving you as a cab driver i know how to get things done kamik we can talk off air but the point is you're the coolest um i appreciate you taking some time on this because i know you've got to get back to insulting the democrats listen it's what i'm good at <laughs> uh, listen, uh, honestly, I got my money's worth out of the dress. I'm glad I Venmoed the money. So, yes, way to go. We'll talk Thank after this is over. It. Thank you for admitting it. <laughs> this is the best. Pretty don't, w- lie. don't lie, Jimmy. You got one for yourself, too. Stop it now. <laughs> Dude, if you've seen what I've worn on TV, I don't know that that dress is feminine enough for me. <laughs> you excellent with, with, with your, uh, your white boots. You can be new boot goofing. Hey, girl. Good stuff. Happy Friday. Good luck the rest of the way. I'll see you soon. I appreciate it. Take care. There she goes. The great Cat Kamek. And Cat's uh, point to you, the skeptical caller, is that you're not hearing enough about just how conservative the new rules package is and that you're hearing, you know, perhaps the wrong messaging when it comes to why we have to vote for McCarthy, uh, which is that you can't get a more conservative deal than the one they have. Now, that remains to be seen. Are you sold? Are you still on the fence? 888 788 9910. Uh, I am reading. Uh, I didn't realize she had texted me just before coming on the show, uh, but she sent me some really funny 
uh, pictures from inside the chamber and some strange bedfellows negotiating. And uh, according to one report, uh, the accusation here, not from her, from Nicholas Wu on Twitter, I will attribute it to him, is Representative Matt Gates has been making the rounds on the Democratic side today talking to members. He told Representative Ilan Omar the anti-Kevin group got all they wanted but still weren't voting for him yet, per a source familiar. Now, it's always hard for me to trust the media, but I did get the feeling watching Gates last night on Laura Ingram that he was just never McCarthy. And he flat out said to her last night, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was just flat, you know, personal for him. Here's the clip, clip three. I love President Trump. I defended him a great deal in Congress, but uh, HR wasn't always his strong suit. You know, President Trump got us folks like Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr and Jim Mattis and Mark Esper, people who didn't always advance America first policy. So while I think Trump has the vision, I do. I think President Trump is wrong to the extent that he supports Kevin McCarthy. I'm going to support President Trump if he or when he runs uh, for reelection in 2024. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to back him on this play. So bottom line. okay. he wasn't voting for McCarthy, if you listen to that soundbite. But here is here he is implicitly stating he's just not voting for him. This is clip two. I wouldn't be betting on uh, my vote for Kevin McCarthy under almost any circumstance. But it's important to note that all of those so it's personal, you just then. presented. Wait, McCarthy, well, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, Ed, that's personal then. You, no, you no, just no. made this very principled point. No, no. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, I am, I'm a man of principle and I believe in X, Y, and Z. But if he gives me X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to vote for him. What? Well, here's. I mean, think about that. So what is he basically saying? This really wasn't a good faith negotiation on his part. This was they were going to hold out as long as possible in hopes that it would get McCarthy thrown off the docket. Okay, the bottom line at this point, I'm not a big McCarthy fan. Uh, I am not a fan of how any of this went down. I still don't leave my conversation with Kat convinced that the interest of the American people came first. But, you know, at the end of the movie Chinatown, when they say, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. You're just not going to win. I think that's what Gates is up against in this moment. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Lincoln Fallon, my son, is going to be putting a button on this week in the next hour. We are also going to get into the phones hard. 888-788-9910. Uh, the vote has officially concluded. Did Kevin McCarthy win the speakership now that all the votes have been called and everybody's been called to the chamber? <clears throat> he did lose. Uh, he is now 0 for 12. But the GOP is touting momentum. And by momentum, what they mean is people leaving Washington. Every time a representative leaves the chamber to get home, the threshold for winning the speakership is about to get lower. Right now it's at 217. By the time they vote again, it might be at 212 or 210, depending on how many people leave the chamber. So keep going, Kevin. You might win by default. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we got a wild one shaping up in this hour. House of Representatives about to vote for a 13th time on whether or not to confirm Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Uh, Are you pro McCarthy? Are you team Gates? 
Are you somewhere in between? I'd love to hear from you. 888-788-9910. We always describe Fox Across America as America's family meeting. Uh, well, my family coming by to cap the show this week, Lincoln Fela will be here in the house uh, for a little catching up on all things uh, Fela family, uh, all things news this week. Of course, we had an incredible, incredible moment this week uh, where a tragedy took a rare turn for the best, where DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, who suffered a cardiac arrest during the Sunday night game against the Bengals, uh, was administered CPR on the field, uh, apparently on more than one occasion. It sounds like he was met with a defibrillator as well. Uh, but we are happy to report, as we've been reporting, that his breathing tube is now out, he is fully alert, and he is now speaking to his family, friends, and teammates. And uh, that's a win for all of us. He's a great young man, and I know his charity at one point had already raised nearly $4 million dollars uh, for an, a toy drive for underprivileged kids. I don't know where that number is now, but Lincoln, my son, has been keeping me up to speed on all things NFL, so he will be joining us for a little father-son time. But I invoke the DeMar Hamlin story because one of the things happening this week in the media, and it's been fascinating to watch, is one of the most shameful, relentless social pressure campaigns I've ever seen when it comes to confirming a House speaker. Okay, we had Dan Crenshaw calling the holdouts domestic terrorists is what he said. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Shameless. Okay. Then we had Mara Gay say, of the New York Times. The New York Times flat out saying, well, the reason they're holding out is they're there to stop the browning out of America. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Well, she's one of the editors. And in saying that these holdouts are doing this in the name of white supremacy, she fails to mention that they nominated a black man to be Speaker of the House. Oh, wow. But in the you know race to the bottom, that is the current media landscape, there is also, of course, going to be a strong contender every single time. From the folks over at CNN. CNN is the worst. Banner week for them this week. They hired Adam Kinzinger. Uh, he the defector from the Republican Party. Uh, he the guy who, you know, just got run out of town, decided he wasn't going to seek re-election because he didn't have any chance of doing so. Uh, he signed a contributor deal at CNN this week to be their senior political analyst. They have signed Adam Kinzinger to make the pitch to the public that they are not a left-wing Outlet. People aren't buying at CNN, you dumb bastards. But if you think Adam Kinzinger cried a lot before he signed with CNN, wait till he sees the first ratings report next month. I mean, my God. But over at CNN, it was not Adam Kinzinger making the lead headline. Here is John King over on CNN saying, imagine if the doctors that saved DeMar Hamlin's life decided to do what these congressional defectors are doing. What? In what world is there a comparison between one and the other? The answer is no world other than the clown world I'm about to take you into. <laughs> Clip 14. Imagine if a baseball team goes on the field and after two pitches, the right fielder decides, I want to pitch. Uh, it, it can't work that way. Someone has to be in charge. Someone has to be in charge of any organization. That doesn't mean you always agree with your boss. You don't always agree with your manager. You don't always agree with your coach. Imagine those two doctors we just listened to. Uh, who treated and all the people on the field who cared for that a Buffalo Bills player. Imagine if somebody said, no, 
or, or no, I want to do the other job. It doesn't work that way. When you're on a team, you have to, yes, yes, you go to the boss's office and you say, I want this, I want this, I want this. But eventually somebody has to make a decision and you have to accept the responsibility of government. They don't want that responsibility. I mean. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Seriously. Understand, just so we're all on the same page here, okay? The Republicans holding out right now are holding out because they wanted fundamental changes to the way we review legislation. They wanted a 72-hour window to read on bills, to read bills before we vote on them. Okay, we're being told they did in fact get that, which is why a lot of them are flipping now. But the point is they were holding out for specific things. With the exception of Gates, he hates McCarthy. He probably thinks he has better hair than McCarthy, and he should be the Speaker of the House instead of McCarthy. I guarantee you it could be that superficial. But Gates, to his credit, had at least articulated a a list of things he wanted, but now he has actually gone on record himself and said he wasn't voting for McCarthy even if he got the concessions, which, to be fair, Gates, that's clown stuff. I'd support the holdout because I think McCarthy's a swamp creature. And I don't think this is a win for any of us that McCarthy gets confirmed. Nobody's been able to convince me, even Kat Kamek, who I love, who made some interesting points and said we've negotiated the most conservative deal. What I'm still hearing is Dan Crenshaw's comment that McCarthy needs to be the guy because he raised the most money. And that's exactly the case he made for why Byron Donalds couldn't be the guy. Let me play it one more time. It's clip 10. Byron Donalds is running. Byron Donalds is running. And and you don't. You don't think he's a credible he, candidate? He, he, started, he started five minutes ago. and No, he's not a credible candidate. He's, he's a freshman who started five minutes ago. That's not running. He didn't raise hundreds of millions of dollars to win the Republican majority in, in multiple election cycles. No, that's not a credible candidate. What is there? I mean, really think about that, man. He didn't raise the most money. That's the value judgment in Washington this week. New year, same old crap. Totally. That's the value judgment. Hey, ho, forget about voters. Forget about, you know, getting things done in Washington. Where's my money? You're all a bunch of grifters. And it's true. But the John King comment, though, is so mind-blowing. Oh, imagine if the doctors said, oh, we're not working on DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine if... The rules of one profession were applied to another. I got to be honest. Things are going to be a little different. Okay? The rules at strip clubs are not the rules in kindergarten class. Although they're getting very similar in Democratic kindergarten classrooms where we've got all this drag show crap going on now. What the hell is the world coming to? Seriously. But one profession does not have to operate at the same standard. With the same, um, you know, uh, you know, decorum and process and rules that another one does. It's a dumb analogy. It's why no one is watching CNN. Mo- I, I, 99% of the people watching CNN are either watching it on Fox when we play their highlights and make fun of them. The others, I assume, are being held at gunpoint and even then trying to look away because that is weapons grade stupid. Oh, imagine if the doctors didn't know about you die. No one is going to die because these guys are exercising their constitutional right to challenge a speakership, something that, to be clear, I've said before, we keep getting told, oh, this is embarrassing. We've never done this in 100 years. No, no, it's embarrassing that we haven't done it in 100 years. I think he's got a point. This is the guy who's going to be second in line to the presidency. Second in line to the presidency. 
beside, let's be honest, not the best two candidates to currently occupy number one and number two. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Seriously. And who's behind him on the bench? Kamala Harris. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. So if the third string guy is going to be Kevin McCarthy, I would like to think it takes a little while to give him the gig. And I don't think feeling that way is tantamount to murder. I don't think it's tantamount to refusing to treat DeMar Hamlin. But this is why we can't have nice things. This is why the country is as broken as it is. We're living in the death of shame. People willing to go on TV in front of millions of viewers as John. Okay. In front of hundreds of thousands of viewers. Okay. Well, somebody was watching CNN when he said that. Somebody. Willing to go in front of another human being and say, hey, this is like not treating DeMar Hamlin. No, it's not. Okay, but that's the kind of social pressure campaign we've been engaging in all week. Okay, Crenshaw calling them terrorists. This guy calling them murderers. Mara Gay saying, oh, they're browning. They're stopping the browning out of America. Yeah, by what? Nominating a black candidate? Idiotic. Okay, Steve is in Killeen, Texas. They've got a good horse sense out there. He is batting leadoff. Yo, Steve. How you doing, Jimmy? Uh, better than McCarthy, <laughs> but it's uh, the 13th vote is underway right now. I don't know that he's going to get it or he's not going to get it, but uh, do you abide the holdouts or are they supposed to get in line? Where are you on this? No, I go with the holdouts, and I think like Laura Ingram said to Gates, I think you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You can't sit there and say you appreciate what he's trying to do, but then say it's clown show. He doesn't trust McCarthy to stick with those rules, even though he got everything he asked for. And it's also probably a little personal. Yep, it's definitely personal. He's a never, he's a never McCarthy guy. The other people probably have a little more principle, but he made a clown move like he did say today on the floor. So Kamek was texting me before she came on the air. I didn't even see the text till she had. We were wrapping up the interview, but I alluded to some of them. He was uh, working the Democrats today and flat out telling them, like, if you hold your line, we're fine because I'm not voting McCarthy, even though I've gotten everything I wanted. So Gates is in his own weird place of spectacle. Okay, but there are principled guys like Chip Roy who are advocating for a fundamental change to how we do this. Now, what Kat Kamek just told me is that Chip Roy got the changes he wanted and can justify the flip that was made. If that's the case, I'm fine because there is a there is a um, a limit to how far this can go, meaning if we're never going to elect anybody else but Kevin McCarthy. Um, but, but understand, Jimmy, yep. he's going to look so weak. Oh, yeah. No, no. The Democrats are going to respect let, him at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Let me let me be clear, just so we're all on the same page. And this is where we've been lied to. OK, it almost doesn't matter who the speaker is because we have we do not have anything in the Senate right now. We're not appointing Supreme Court justices. We're not passing legislation. The only thing we can do with the Congress, with the, the House of Representatives for the next two years, is pass symbolic legislature that gets voted down to make Demo- and, and that makes Democrats look bad. But it doesn't make them look that bad because the truth is, by the time the election rolls around, there's a very good chance we're voting based on entirely different issues than the ones that are stricken the country right now. You know, and that's the frustration. It's all of this is symbolism. So the fact that there's this much heat on the dissenters, the dissenters who, like I said, to Gates's credit, I think he's doing some clown stuff, but I don't think he's a murderer or a terrorist for doing it. I actually think the brilliant men who drew up the Constitution wanted 
them to have the ability to do exactly this till they got what they wanted out of the house. So I'm I'm with Gates in terms of the stance. Uh, I think he could handle himself better from here forward, but it doesn't matter at this point. Um, what ma- and, and, and my my personal opinion, Jimmy, is uh, Crenshaw from Texas. He's clown. Yep. He's trying to be Texas version of McCain. Yep, he so is. Hey, can I give you a quick suggestion yep. before you let me go. Yep. Get some more of those WWF sound clips. Remember <laughs> Ravishing Rick Rude? <laughs> when you play something from The View and then follow it up with, you fat women make me sick. <laughs> I don't know if I could call them fat women, but I, I dig it. I love where your heart is at. Uh, great stuff, as always. Stephen Killeen, Texas, who has a message for Dan Crenshaw. His message for Dan Crenshaw is... I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Wow, things are getting fired up. We'll go back to the phones after this. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Things are getting serious. They're playing Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. At the moment, voting has resumed. Now the 13th go-round for Kevin McCarthy. Some people have flipped, have flipped their votes. They were never McCarthy's. He has flipped 14 of them. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. I don't know that they have dirty minds. Some of them were clearly placated by this morning's members-only call. Others continue to hold out. Matt Gates has sent a letter to the architect of the Capitol demanding to know why McCarthy is squatting in the Speaker's office and asking that he be removed until someone gets the necessary votes to occupy the office. Now, I know Gates is being a clown, but he's technically not wrong that it was stupid of McCarthy to do. You don't move into the office before you get the gig. You're just kind of jinxing it in the universe. Like, I, I mean it, dude. That's crazy talk. I would never do that. This is my dream job. Like, I wanted to host a radio show my whole life. This is really amazing to me. Okay? But even after I'd signed a contract and been to all the meetings and seen all the graphics packages and decided on a launch date and picked out a terrible outfit and booked the guests, I still did not occupy this studio and decorate the set of my own nationally syndicated talk show until a few hours before the show went live. Why? Because dumb things happen in the world. You get hit by a bus or something weird or whatever. If you're truly realizing a dream, something that's that important to you, you don't get Give the universe the finger, okay? The universe has a lot more say than any of us do. Humble yourself and realize that. Kevin McCarthy didn't. He wanted this gig more than anything in the world and was blinded by the light. So he moved into the office before he got the votes. So everybody who's telling you, oh, this should have been settled back, you know, not in the public. Anybody who had an issue should have taken it up with McCarthy. Yeah, they would love to have, but he was too busy moving into his office instead of working on stuff like this. What an idiot. So I don't want to hear it. And I don't know that Jason does either. He's in Tyler, Texas. Yo, Jason. Hi, Jimmy. How are you doing? Good, good. Are you are you uh, are you enjoying the spectacle, or do you think it's bad for the party? I think it's really bad for the party, especially considering the inflation situation and and the invasion on the border. You know, I'm a Navy veteran of seven years, mm-hmm. and uh, it's again politicians making all this these promises, 
and not fulfilling their promise. They already had an agenda in place, and now it seems to be a paragraph. Um, what I think the problem is, for real, is I think they did outline a good agenda. I don't think a lot of people trusted them to carry out that agenda because a lot of us, a lot of Republican leadership went along with that omnibus spending bill, which was the opposite of what they campaigned on. That whole contract with America is, hey, we're going to cut spending. But then when they won back the power of the purse, OK, senior leadership in the Republican Party voted for the omnibus spending bill. And I think a lot of people who are junior members in the House said, well, if McConnell has the power to get 18 Republicans to vote in the Senate, uh, I'm sure McCarthy, who is an acolyte of McConnell, might do the same thing. So I get why you think it looks bad. And I think that's a fair point, And I certainly thank you for your service. But my thing here is this. It probably does look very chaotic to outside observers, but I don't think anybody's going to care once we actually select a speaker. I think it's going to come down to not what we did this week, but what we did with the majority. So let me ask you as a voter. Okay, let's say they pick McCarthy today or they pick somebody, you know, by the end of the day. Um, You know, if the Republicans get through the next two years and, you know, do something meaningful with the majority, do you think voters will forgive them is my question. Did I lose you? I'm sorry if I did. Jason, I might have lost you. All right, let me ask you. Jeff, you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You have to pick up the baton, Jeff, for Jason and Tyler, who I love. Yo, man, how you living? Good. Yourself? I'm great. So let me ask you this question, okay? Beyond this moment, okay, do you want this to end or do you want it to keep going? I want it to keep going just simply because I'm tired of business as usual in Washington. And the reason I called is to suggest that maybe it's the problem with the American people who are stupid enough to keep voting these people in mm-hmm. instead of taking a hard line and Listen, actually doing I agree. The research for their candidate. I could let you go on in this logic all day. We're up against a hard commercial break, but you are spot on. I'm with Jeff. I'm as mad as hell. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up on a Friday. You know, I'm heading back to the Carson Nugget in Carson, Nevada, Saturday night, February the 4th. It is a one-night jam. But if you're listening on KKFT 99.1 FM out in Reno, Nevada, you know that's a hop, skip, and a jump away from where this next guest happens to reside and own the station, Jerry Evans, making a return to the show. Yo, Jerry, happy Friday. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? Better now, man. This is a pleasant surprise. Uh, Mikey told me that you have some Prince Harry, uh, Harry Reid material. He said he had a Harry joke. I thought it was a Prince Harry joke. Oh, no, no. It's not really a joke. So if you remember back um, when Harry Reid was the whole Clive Bundy incident in Nevada. Yep. And he called everybody out here a domestic terrorist. Mm Mm-hmm. So we went and got a couple thousand T-shirts made, showed up at a gun store on a Saturday, and sold just about every one of them. I happen to have a few left, and thanks to Dan uh, Crenshaw from Texas, we, na- we now have a new Harry Reid in, um, in Washington, D.C., and we have some leftover domestic terrorist t-shirts that we could uh we could hawk on air if you'd like whoa we're gonna hawk we'll move some products and uh, i'll buy a couple to give them away at the uh the carson date when i get back out there and we hang out again that's really funny Uh, and and the way i look at this jimmy right now the score is america 12 mccarthy 
zero. <laughs> Let me ask you this, okay? I've been making this point a hundred times today. Of getting all of the politics removed from the situation, isn't it just dumb that he moved into the speaker's office before the votes on a horse sense level? Yeah, and and all of this that is visible to the public now could have been done uh, starting November, say, 8th or 9th of last year. And here's the thing. It's about him because if he knows he's going to continue to lose, it looks like he may eventually get there. Mm -hmm. Um, This all could have been done out of the public's eye over November and December. And and one last point on him and the Mm -hmm. whole thing, though, when you look at it politically – you're looking at 90%, 200 versus 20, 90% of the Republican Party in the House. I mean, the Senate's <laughs> bad enough, but the House, 90% of members in the House, Republicans, are basically against typical conservative, common sense Republicans. Fascinating, because this is not the will of the voters. Like, if you put this up to a poll, the callers don't want McCarthy. And it's funny, like, Elon Musk yesterday, for whatever reason, tweeted McCarthy should be speaker. And uh, someone responded to him with a poll on who should be the next speaker. And McCarthy got about 6% of the votes. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think anybody's listening. You're listening. I appreciate it. You know, our callers are listening. Uh But Washington is not listening. The swamp's going to swamp. And the reason McCarthy will get over the top is people really do want to get out of town. You know what will probably do it? If Democrats leave, if enough Democrats leave, it lowers the threshold. So if the Republicans stay, they can do this with less votes than they even achieved on the previous ballot if enough Democrats are just hopping onto planes by now. The point is it's it's exactly the racket we thought it was. If you've ever seen the movie Chinatown with Jack Nicholson, by the end of the movie, they just explain, like, you can't win, Jack. These people are corrupt. There's nothing you're going to do. And I feel like that's what we're learning in this moment. Go ahead. Yeah, and one final point on on, uh, McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the deputy to Paul Ryan. Fascinating. Right. He's wanted this gig. He's wanted this gig his whole life. When when McCarthy got into this. Okay, the federal deficit was 11 trillion. It's now about 33. He's been a part of leadership at every turn. There's no way you can tell me the way we're doing things is working just fine. You dig? Yeah, he is a John Boehner, Paul Ryan light. And uh, and I don't know that light is any better than what those two were. Well, now we're in a taste great, less filling debate. Uh, that's why I love talking to you, Evans. Uh, <laughs> I will see you out. Right. I'll see you out west soon, buddy. You're the man. Be well. The great, Looking forward to it. You too. There you go. Jerry Evans. Uh, he, listen, tells it like it is. KKFT, 99.1 FM Talk, if you're listening to us out in Reno right now. That's the owner of the station. should be happy to know the owner of the station probably shares your political sensibilities because nobody in Washington does. This is crazy. Really quick, I want to get ba- Parksy in here because Parksy's in Longview, Texas, a place near and dear to my heart. Parksy! Yes! You are the opening act for Lincoln Fela, who is joining us in one minute. Uh, what can oh. you tell me? Is this good for the Democrats or bad for the Democrats? Well, I think that anything that gets them focused off two years ago, January the 6th, they can focus on this for this January the 6th. Maybe they'll talk more about the speaker thing. But mm-hmm. I wanted to find out, how's your headache? You know, I met you at that KTBB <laughs> yes, thing. I appreciate you dropping our ad on this national show you've got. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> I Next time you come to Longview or Tyler, 
We'll do it again, man. My headache's finally gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I don't even know that it'll be gone, but you guys are so much fun. I'll just I'll muscle through it just like last time. You don't worry about nothing. Uh, well, I had to call you because I got my advertising bill from KTBB today, and I'm like, well, if Jimmy Fallon likes our ad, I got to keep it running. That's you know? the spirit. Let's go, Parksy. This bud's for you. I will see you down in East Texas, girlfriend. Lincoln Fallon around the corner to wrap it up when we come back on Fox Across America, baby. There it is. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with your main pal, Jimmy Fallon, just trying to close out some good old Friday action. (laughs) The link man in the studio hijacking the number one show in all of radio. What an idiot. No, we're always happy to see you, Link, man. You're never an idiot. In fact, you're riding high. You got a big Friday because you're not only hanging out with me this weekend at Fox News headquarters, but your Steelers are a win away potentially. What do you need, though? You need like a win, seven losses. No, no. They need to beat the Browns in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. They need Which me and you could do, to be clear. They need the uh, Dolphins to lose to the Jets in Miami. With, like, a third-string QB, and then they need the Bills to beat the Patriots in Buffalo. And the Bills are going to be fired up because our man DeMar Hamlin pulled through. That was awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Big win. But let me—all right, we'll get into that in a second because I do want to talk to you about that as a guy who plays youth football. There have been a lot of people yelling and screaming about football this week. Um, Have you and your buddies taken another look at football? or did you No. You guys are all in. Because that could have happened if he was working at Starbucks and ran into a counter or something. Like, if he, like, walked into something and uh-huh. just happened to be where he got hit. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if you're just doing something, you hit your elbow and it has, like, that weird feeling. Mm-hmm. It's well, not because of what you're doing. You're 14. You feel young and indestructible is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy's, like, 10 years older than me, though. No, of course. He's, he's in great shape. He's a great guy. He does great charity work in the community. Obviously, we're really happy that he's healthy and that Bill's Mafia is back. My only real concern now is not for him. It's for the fans. Do you know how Hard Buffalo Bills fans drink. Oh yeah, they, like just so you understand this, I once did a stand-up gig at Erie College. If you're listening up in that area, you're probably familiar with Erie College up there, and um, they have like Erie North and Erie South. And on the campus of Erie South, people park there to tailgate at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park where the Bills play. They, I'm not even kidding. They get there on a Tuesday. For a Sunday game. It's like NASCAR when they show up in trailers. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess you'd be drinking that hard, too, if you never won a Super Bowl. Sorry if that's a low blow, Bills Mafia. But they drink. They break tables. They, they break. Madden. Yeah, <laughs> they are good in Madden. Lincoln Fala, by the way, had to hand me the Fala family Super Bowl ring uh, Thursday night because I did what? You beat me in the Super Bowl. I won the Super Bowl. With a wash, Tom Brady, by the way. He had four interceptions. Lincoln was playing with the Buccaneers, and all of our listeners on WHBO down in Tampa might not appreciate this. But Get a new QB. <laughs> Apparently in Madden, the, the, the Giselle divorce has gotten to Brady. Oh, definitely. <laughs> because I was basically Giselle. Half of the passes went to me. Yeah, three first-half <laughs> interceptions and all the link, in the first quarter. He kept it close, but he never quite recovered. Tw- I was down 20 points and made it a game. He I did. Back to his credit, he made it a game. He covered the spread, uh, but I did walk away with the title, which is all that matters. Hey, girl. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Fella in studio. If you're just joining us, big Friday edition of the show. Uh, a lot of the listeners might have saw the picture that we posted on Christmas Day of Lincoln, Jenny, and myself, where Lincoln kept his campaign promise. I want you to get credit for this. You promised our listeners you would dress up as the what? Snuggle Bucky. When we were down in Texas and we were visiting KTBB, Jenny and I and Lincoln... 
uh, where you fa- you did get noticed, by the way. People, ra- it's so funny that you could recognize walking down the street. You're like a little celebrity. And uh, Lincoln got noticed in Bucky's. Uh, as we were buying of all things, uh, a forty. I was like forty bucks, right? I think I it, was, don't it was like a forty dollar costume. It's called the Snuggle Bucky, and it's essentially what it's a Santa costume with. It's like a Bucky. It's a Bucky onesie with like in a Santa costume. Uh-huh. Pretty much. We had a very Bucky's Christmas. So when we were down there, and we were buying his costume, we also bought about one hundred and twelve dollars worth of fudge and fried stuff. Mm-hmm. World class food, an outrageous time. Uh, and in addition, Paul Gleiser and the KTBB staff sent us what? A six-foot inflatable Bucky. So we had a lawn inflatable, a six-foot-tall Bucky that actually lights up when you plug it in. But what did we do with it? Put him in the kitchen. Not in the <laughs> kitchen, the dining room. Though. <laughs> so we had an actual, if you come to our house this holiday season, we had a six-foot inflatable Bucky just sitting in our dining room. And I thought it was amazing. I actually think we should put him back up. The tree's back up. Yeah. Why not? The tree's been up. Long after. Yeah, let's go, Buck. All right, you know what? January 5th, come on. You know what? When I get home tonight, we're plugging Bucky back in. All right. The Bucky's back in town, Lincoln Fela. Uh, It was a big win. Um, It was a big win for my team. But uh, on the actual NFL football field, I interrupted you. How do you feel about the Steelers? I feel good about them. I hope they can. I hope they can at least win against the Browns to keep Tomlin's consecutive winning season record. Now, this is the question I wanted to ask you because you're following this very closely, and I think Josh could probably speak to this in the control booth. What are they going to do with this Bengals Bills game? I mean, now they canceled we- it. Oh, it's, it's just yeah, not a thing. Yeah, they're just not playing it. Okay. And it co- there's I didn't even read into the rules. They're all dumb. It like depends on how next week matches go and the seating and stuff. And I think if both, don't take my word on it, but if the Bills and the Bengals meet in the AFC Championship, it's going to be held at a neutral site. Wow, really? I think so. That's fascinating stuff, because I know you have some, a couple of old-school sports fans in the family. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but it rhymes with Uncle Mikey. <laughs> My brother Mike, who's an old-school Yankee fan, and a lot of old-school fans are having this issue. Uh, We didn't have this debate until we knew the guy had pulled through and was healthy. But the Yankees, famously in 1979, had Thurman Munson, their catcher, die. He flew his own plane, crashed his plane, and they played uh, the same day as the funeral. And Bobby Mercer hit a home run. It was his best buddy on the team at a home run. And, uh, you know, old-school guys... Think it's crazy that a game gets postponed, but Lincoln, you need to understand. Like, there was no social media back then. If the Yankees had played back then, oh yeah, yeah, they would have like canceled the team. Did he got like in the video? He gets up. It looks like a normal tackle, and then just stumbles and falls down. Yeah, it was scary stuff, man. So we're really glad he's okay. But Lincoln and his crazy ass friends are like, I don't care. I'm still playing. Well, no, because it's not football's fault necessarily. That hits, He's probably made that hit or gotten hit like that a hundred times during practice and during games. Yeah, who it knows? It just happened to be the situation he was in. Well, yeah. Well, listen, bottom line is whatever the whatever it was, obviously we're all thrilled he pulled through. Mm-hmm. That's a big, it's a big win, man. Uh, it really is. That was like, it's so hard to find feel-good news this week uh, with everybody fighting in Washington and all the chaos in the world. The idea that this guy, who is a fine dude uh, and has now raised over $4 million. It's for like a, over five now. Is it really that yeah. much money? Wow. It was 300000 like an hour after he like got knocked out. Now be honest, if you're that guy, when they give you back the account, 
I you, mean, how how do, much do you, toys can you buy with like six million dollars? <laughs> That's the question. I see where you're getting at. So, are you saying I might have to hire people to help him buy uh, more toys? So, are you? I don't s- think he pocketed. Are you? No, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying, what does a Lincoln Fela do if six million gets raised for charity in Lincoln Fela's name? What? I mean, how much goes to that's charity? That's a dirtbag move if you take any of it. Wow, you're sleep, still a good probably. kid, Lincoln. Don't ever change, man. Don't please don't. I will turn into you. <laughs> take my birthday money out of the car. Oh, Lincoln, that was a low blow, man. Low blow. Lincoln Fela in studio, who is going to be in the TV studio with me tomorrow. Uh, I'm hosting the big Saturday and big Sunday show this weekend. 5 p.m. Saturday, 5 p.m. Sunday. The Link Man is committed to show up to the Saturday taping. Are you going to like heckle? It's live TV. You'll yeah. hear you. Yeah. Is definitely. that your plan? You can hear like the cameramen and stuff in the background laughing. So, <laughs> so you're just going to pretend you were one of them? And I don't think they're intentionally being loud either. <laughs> Boo, you suck. <laughs> Yo, I don't get that. The cameramen like me so much no, so. No, but I'm saying that's me. Oh, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> He's going to streak onto the set. Uh, well, you're going to have two opportunities to embarrass me because obviously we have the big Saturday show that you're attending the taping tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, we're going out to dinner with Kennedy and her kids. Uh, we had some debate earlier about whether or not you were going to steal my outfits. Have you made a decision on that? Uh, it depends on what you have in the wardrobe. Wow. Everything I wear right now, I was telling Chaffetz this yesterday. I, you know those like loud, razzle-dazzle shirts? Mm-hmm. Don't I look like an overweight figure skater? I was just about to say you look like that because I always hear you say that. But term. I do. <laughs> but right now, like, I'm not even kidding. I'm down weight. Like yesterday, I was doing Stuart Varney show. And the makeup team was like, oh, my God, you lost weight. And I was like, I'm just wearing bigger clothes, to be honest with you. That's it's the trick. You don't have to go to the gym. How do you say bigger clothes if they're doing makeup on your face? That doesn't really. Well, no, I know. My face might appear smaller. But the point is, it's the bigger clothes that make your face look smaller by you. Exactly. When you get this Lincoln sighing, because I told them an inside baseball trick, you know, you ate too much this weekend. When you walk into the makeup for America's Newsroom Monday morning and you hear someone sigh. Because that means they're going to have to work harder because you were a bad, bad boy with the fork and knife. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's basically what they're telling me. But nobody's uh, ashamed of you, Snuggle Bucky. Uh, Fox Across America, Lincoln Fela in the house. We're wrapping up a big Friday uh, on the show. I'm going to be on the Sean Hannity program tonight with a live audience. Uh, Lincoln could not get past security for that. But will you be watching? While while your dad is on TV, primetime TV, what are you doing on a Friday night? What time is it? Nine o'clock. Nine? Probably. I'd probably be home by then. There might be a shot. Yeah. You're not going to be under the bleachers, vaping and chugging tequila? I don't tequila? vape. Screw vape. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good message for every kid listening. I know a lot of parents have their kids listen to the show, which I have no idea why. Yeah. I mean, really. It, it, I can't imagine sitting down with you and listening to us talk as other people. Yeah, well, that's weird. Yeah. I just mean I feel bad because I don't know that we're giving these people the best direction. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, try, I always try to qualify it. Like, you should be, we should not be the model here. Um, and if you knew who we accepted as a mom and as a wife, you'd understand. Our judgment is flawed. I'm kidding, Jenny. I love you. I know you're listening mm-hmm. somewhere. But you'll be home. You'll be watching the show. And then we have tomorrow. And then we have a, the word on the street is a Bobby Van Steak. Mm. My last question is, do you think the guy will be there? That bought Kennedy and I so many drinks, he eventually wanted to fight us. Maybe. <laughs> what are you going to do if he's there? Are you prepared know. to throw down? Uh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Link, man. So we were there really quick. I'll wrap on this. Lincoln and I, uh, the great Brian Brenberg, Jenny Fallow was there. Kennedy was there. Her daughters were there. And uh, we had a guy who was a Fox fan. It happens a lot when you go out to dinner in New York. And uh, he was like, hey. 
<laughs> yeah, I love you guys on Fox. I watch you all the time. You know, I had a bunch of jokes. And he sent us over a glass link, and it's called Port Wine. And Port Wine is a wine you drink when you're done drinking alcohol. It's dessert. It's like a glass of dessert alcohol. You're supposed to drink one with a piece of cake or a cigar if you smoke cigars, and you're done for the night. But how many Port Wines would you say this guy sent us? Like- 16. <laughs> like a legitimate, like a legitimate 16 glasses of port wine. That can't be good. No, it's not good because in addition to him sending us so much wine that we're not even drinking it, we're giving it to you guys and to your credit, you're dumping it out. Uh, we're passing it to the table, sending it back with the waiter. He sent us that much wine. But for every glass he sent us, he clearly consumed two. Uh-huh. Because it went from I love you guys on Fox to by the last drink of the night. I was like, what? You don't hang out with me? I don't have my own show? What am I, some kind of loser? And the guy went from like our best friend to like we almost had to fight the guy. So all I'm trying to tell you is bring those brass knuckles you carry around in your purse just in case, okay? Happy Friday, everybody. Check me out on the Sean Hannity Show tonight. Check me and Lincoln out on the big Saturday show tomorrow at 5 o'clock. And either way you slice it, be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a Jimmy Fallon. Screw you. Get him out of here. Get him out. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.